Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. This is John Hewlin. I'm so excited that you're here for part two of my interview with J.J. Burden, former NFL wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs and Atlanta Falcons. But you guys know I love the Chiefs. Anyhow, in addition to being a former professional athlete slash NFL wide receiver, J.J. now is a motivational speaker and an entrepreneur extraordinaire. So tune in to part two of my interview with JJ. I think you guys will love it. This is Relationships and Revenue, the show where real answers come from real discussions about what holds men back in their relationships at home and in business. A better bottom line at work means improving life at home. This show is all about helping you become a better entrepreneur and a better man. I'm curious, when you first got into entrepreneurship, you, you mentioned earlier that you, there were some things that you did that you discovered wasn't for you mm -hmm. and that you really kind of gravitated later toward the professional speaking and then the network marketing. Mm -hmm. um, I have to tell you, first of all, Network marketing is not male dominated. I'm not telling you something you don't know. There's not a lot. No. Um, and so why network marketing specifically? And then why did you choose the company that you did to work with? Yeah, good question. So first, let me say this. I think one of the lessons I learned when I made the transition after football was I was so obsessed with not being a failure that I made a mistake and I got involved in like six different businesses. Okay. So like I didn't make, you know, the, the crazy money that guys make, but I made enough to make some small investments mm -hmm. and I invested in like six different companies and four or three of them, well, three or four of them failed and then two survived. And I learned a very valuable lesson was that one is don't spread yourself too thin. You know, don't, you don't have to all, you have, all your eggs in, in all these different baskets. That was the first thing. The second thing was my companies were in, in, in Kansas City and I lived in Oregon. So that presented its own problem. And so what I learned was that, one is if you're gonna invest in something, have a business, you make sure you're involved every single day. You gotta be there involved day to day. That was the first thing. And the second thing is you wanna have more control on the decision-making that takes place in your business. And so that's what, kind of led me to network marketing because I wanted the freedom to build a business the way I wanted to build it. I wanted to do it. And then I also wanted to touch people's lives where that the network marketing business model is about helping other people. How many people can you help achieve their goals? You know? Okay. And so John, I looked at about 50 different companies. Wow. Because I wasn't just going to do it just to be doing it. Cause first I researched the industry first. Cause you know, you hear all these different things. I said, well, let me just find out for myself. Mm -hmm. And once I felt like I love the industry, it's something I want to be a part of, but I didn't want to just join any company. And so I looked at 50 different companies had my little criteria, 11 bullet points, comparing all the companies. And anyway, I felt Isogenics, the health and wellness company was the perfect fit. And okay. being I'm a health and wellness guy, I'm into working out and staying fit and all that. It was just a perfect fit. And um, I started with them and I've been with them since. And, um, and it was a nice compliment because 
the goal there is you're working with customers, you're working with entrepreneurs, and it complemented the speaking, which was a little different, but it, it allowed me to kind of now use a platform to just share everything that I've learned in my experiences from the NFL. So the two worked really well together. Um, but I got to tell you this, so when I was about, I don't know, maybe my 10th year in network marketing, I was presenting at the company's celebration event mm -hmm. and it was like 15,000 people in the audience. Wow. And I was doing a 15 minute presentation and I was, gave my presentation and once it was over, the company sent me a CD of my presentation and I watched it and I thought, man, that's, that's not bad. I'm speaking in front of 1500 people. Yeah. But that was when the light bulb went off and said, you need to become a speaker. Yeah. And that's when kind of that spark was lit, which later turned me into a speaker too. And now, you know, so I kind of credit network marketing for me getting into speaking as well. <laughs> so. I like that. I like that. Um, now, how long have you been with Isogenics? I've been with them for nine years now. Nine. Okay. Yeah. Nine years as of next month, with, which is um, the longest career I've ever had in anything was nine years in the NFL. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we're, we're about to pass that up, so. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So, going through some of my notes here. The podcast is called Relationships and Revenue. And so, I want to focus on the relationship side of things for just a minute. Mm-hmm. I want to know, and I, I ask all my guests this, what is it that you're doing right now to improve, to make better, to invest in your most significant relationships? Now, those can be whatever ones you deem. It could be with your family. It could be with friends. It could be with clients. It doesn't matter who it is. Whatever you deem as significant, what are you doing to invest in those, and how do those relationships impact your business? Well, that one's an easy one because we just became empty nesters. You know, we, my wife and I have been married 32 years next month and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And, and we have three children and we adopted five nieces and nephews about 15 years ago. So uh, overnight we went from a family so, of five to a family of 10. Wow. Okay. Eight kids. Yeah. Wow. Eight kids. That's a lot. Yeah. So the youngest moved out last year. So okay. for the first time in our marriage, we're empty nesters. So it is so weird. It, it is weird. No, isn't that, that's crazy. 32 years, you know, and, but we're finally empty nesters. So when you ask that question, that's where I'm investing a lot of attention now is it's like a new stage of our marriage. Yeah. Now it's my wife and I. So as a husband, I am trying to now invest in her and I and our relationship, because in the past it was this kid and that kid and everything revolved around kid, kids, kids, kids. But now it's my wife and I, and by me giving attention to my wife and her needs and our relationship, that's making her happier. That's making me happier, which is having a positive impact on my businesses. Oh, I love that, man. You know, that's, it's unfortunate, but it happens more times than it should. And that is when someone gets into a position like you, where the kids are finally all yeah. gone. And it's just the two of us. These are two strangers. Yeah. They have no idea who each other are. And they both change so much that they don't like who the other person is. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's why in my work with men, oftentimes I, I 
I let them know. I I created something called the F6 formula, JJ. It's the six areas of a man's life that he tends to struggle in, especially after he gets married. Uh, they happen to be faith, fashion, fitness, food, friendship, and fun. Those six areas. That's good. And it all really kind of starts with, um, well, it, there's a lot of things, but I'll start with this one. Date night. Mm-hmm. Is date night a priority in your marriage? It, even with the kids there, is yeah. it a priority? Um, you're a little bit older than me, but not. I'm 52. Mm-hmm. And so you and I can both remember having calendars where we actually wrote stuff down. Right. There was most things you wrote down in pencil. That way, if you needed to, you could erase it and change it, move it, that sort of thing. But the things that were permanent, the things that didn't get moved were written down in pen. Right. I tell guys all the time, date night is what you write down in ink. Right. It has to be in ink. You plan everything else around that, even the kids' stuff. And the kids don't seem to understand that. And first of all, they're not going to. And that's okay that they don't. But they need to see that they're not the top priority, that your spouse is the top priority. I tell men all the time, look, when it comes to date night, you got to own it. Absolutely, you have to own it. Take ownership of it. That means you figure out what you're doing, where you're going, make sure the children are properly taken care of. Yeah. Because trust me, if you don't tell men that they will plop the kids down on the couch, (laughs) put something that resembles food, which usually is not, and have some streaming service on and say, we're good when you're not. But, uh, and, you know, you got to do something where you've planned it all out. You figure out what you're doing, where you're going. Mm-hmm. You got to do all those things. All she has to do is show up and look beautiful. That's it. Yeah. That's her only job. You get it all figured out. And I give guys two tips, especially for the ones who push back and say, okay, well, John, we're married now. You don't remember what it was like when we were dating because, you know, we did all these elaborate dates and they were so expensive. And now that her money and my money is now our money, she's going to know how much I spent on it and she's not going to be happy about it. And I'm like, whoa, first of all, you're assuming she's stupid. And she doesn't know how much you spend on those dates. She knows exactly how much you spend on those dates. Yeah. It says, but beyond that, what she cares about is spending time with you and for you to be able to share the stuff that's going on inside of you with her. Yeah. You have to be able to do that. And so I give guys all the time, I give them two ideas. One's free, one costs a dollar. Here's the free one. Again, making sure the children are properly taken care of. Go for a leisurely walk in your neighborhood. Now, I'm not talking about a workout kind of walk where you're breaking sweat and, you know, really getting into it. I mean, we're just gently walking next to each other. We're sharing stuff, not just about our day, but, and here's the thing I tell guys, you do not. We don't talk about bills. We don't talk about stuff that has to be done. We don't talk about the kids. We don't talk about any of that stuff. You talk about her hopes, her dreams. You talk about your hopes, your dreams. Where do we see ourselves as a couple? Six months, a year, five years, 10 years from now. You talk about that kind of stuff. And for guys who've never done it before, it's weird. I know it is. It's very weird, but it becomes less weird the more you do it. Mm -hmm. Idea number two, drive to McDonald's, get a soft serve cone and share it. (laughs) I mean, okay. And if ice cream's not your thing, that's fine. That's not really even the point, but... That's just some ideas to help guys out remember how important this date night thing is. But you guys have to communicate about how often you do it. Um, 
given your schedule now and the fact that you guys are empty nesters now, you brought, you might be able to do more stuff during the day. Yeah. You know, so you guys have, you know, day dates rather than dates at night. And that's okay. You guys yeah. should do it at whatever your schedule, whatever you determine yeah. is the frequency. I mean, I've got friends that once their kids were out of the house, they had three and four dates a week. Mm -hmm. Easy. Yeah. If not more. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, man, this is so cool because <laughs> I'm discovering how much my wife loves walking. You're, you're so right about that. I mean, oh my gosh, she yeah. loves to walk and I hate walking. I just walk, but it ain't about me. Right. It's about her. <clears throat> and she exactly. That she says, you know, we work all week, you work out and we're doing this Saturday mornings and Sunday morning. I want to walk. And it's like, it's like, okay, this is what she wants. I want her to be happy and you do it. And that's what we do now. We walk and we talk and, and she loves it, you know? So mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's what marriage is all about. Really putting, sure. putting the needs of other, of your mate ahead of your own. And that's, and that's what, you know, for me, it's, it, it was, it, I'll tell you, even when I was, my career ended, that was a big adjustment for me because when I was in the NFL, everything revolved around me. Everybody's schedule had to revolve around my schedule. Then when my career was over, everything revolved around the children, you know, and <laughs> now the children are gone. So I'm trying to make everything revolve around her, you know, but that's what we do, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. We do that. So let's see. I'm trying to find some more of my questions here. All right. Well, let me ask you this. Talking about habits and how important habits are. Because that's something that I've talked about many times on this podcast. And so I try and get different feedback from the guests that I have on. So what would you say is one habit that you believe every person needs? Every person needs. Um, I would say the habit of discipline. I would say the habit of being disciplined. Um, because I think discipline is, is the key to success in anything you do. You know, anything right. you do. And if being disciplined is your nature, it's just kind of your habit, then it doesn't matter what you're doing. I mean, you could mm -hmm. be doing something at work. You could be doing something with your family. You could do, be doing something at the gym. You know, you're going to show that discipline. And it's that kind of that quality that really carried me through my years because I just, I made up a definition of discipline. It's discipline is the ability to do what you need to do when you need to do it while no one is watching. You know, and you think about that definition, how many times are we in a situation where we've got to do something, work, play, personal, whatever, and it's either we're going to push ourselves to do it ourselves, or we're not going to do it at all. Or sometimes we have to have someone in our ear reminding us to do it, you know, yeah. but what if we had that self-discipline that we can always coach ourselves and get ourselves to do it? So I think that is one of the habits of discipline because it crosses over into every area of life, you know? So sure. I would probably say that. Okay. Discipline. Dig it. All right. Uh, let's see. Um, when it comes to the speaking that you do, are there certain types of groups that you gravitate toward more naturally or is it just kind of whoever are you so maybe it maybe a better way of asking that question is this what is the criteria you use to determine whether or not you accept the offer for a speaking engagement 
Well, initially when I was, I started speaking, I was just willing to get in front of anybody. You know, you're just trying to get that experience yeah. and, um, you know, be able to create some content based on showing that you can speak, you know, videos and all of that other stuff. But over the last probably three years, I've really focused on the corporate world. Okay. Um, I really like speaking to the corporate world, the business world, because there's a lot of crossover from the business world in professional sports and vice versa. There's a lot of crossover. And I just see that the business world, these are ones that are trying to typically, they're trying to improve their performance. They're trying to get to the highest level. They're trying to, you know, whether it's overcome obstacles, they're having these little struggles that are preventing them to be able to always take their performance to the next level and doing their job, which benefits the company and so forth. So I'm, I'm enjoying that market because I'm coming from a world where I was the best in the world. Right. They're in a world where they want to be the best in the office or the best in whatever, you know, and, and I've been able to kind of share simple principles that help me in the NFL and here's how they can help you in the business world too. So I really, I really love speaking to the corporate market. Um, I, initially I was doing a lot of school and community groups and all that, but, um, and I've done some of those, but I just, I love the corporate, the corporate world. It just, my message is a good fit for them. Okay. Um, now you said that you have the, your main talk kind of revolved around the same subject matter of your book. Right. But do you have some other ones that you would call like, not your keynote necessarily, right. but other ones it's like, Hey, this also is in my arsenal. Yeah. Yeah. So I have, so seizing your opportunities is my main one. Then I have every day is game day which is basically seizing your opportunities, but it's a version for the younger audience. Oh, okay. So if I'm speaking to high schoolers, you know, younger audience, it's every day's game day. Kind of the same presentation. Um, I have a couple of newer ones out. One is called um, Raising the Bar of Your Performance. So it's mm -hmm. really just speaks specifically about what does it take to raise the bar of your performance specifically. And then a new one I'm working on is called um, it's called, what is that called? It's called, um, it's, it's, I haven't finished it yet, but I've been given segments of it. It's basically un, over, what is it? Overcoming. Oh, it's about being an underdog. I can't even remember. Okay. I don't love it. Um, I, where is it? Yeah, but it's about being an underdog. It's got to basically revolve around that because like I said earlier, I feel that everybody at some point has felt like an underdog. You know, they felt like they were in a situation where maybe it didn't favor them or maybe people didn't believe in them or maybe they didn't have a fair opportunity, you know? So it's really gonna talk about being an underdog and how do you, well, that's right, how do you overcome, how to close the underdog gap? Something like that I'm gonna call okay. it. So, yeah, that's a new one I'm working on, so. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. Those all sound terrific, by the way. Lots of- Yeah, one thing I've learned too, John, and you, you obviously know this is that you know, when you first start speaking, you're kind of like, you're, you're a little all over the place, but then you kind of start figuring out your niche. You know, you start figuring out what you're right for. And I think what I mentioned to you earlier about the smallest to play, it's like, I can really kind of take that messaging because when I go to keynotes, presentations, everyone looks at me and they go, you're too small to play in the NFL, you know, <laughs> every time. So that, so it, I look like this normal guy who achieved something pretty incredible. How did I do it? Well, a lot of the principles of winning strategies, I share with them how I did it and how they can do it too. So definitely, definitely. You know, one of the things that uh, 
is really important to me and that I spend a lot of time researching on and trying to get better at is leadership. So in the area of leadership, are there people that you follow that you get inspiration, inspiration from that teach you about leadership and how to be a better leader? And if so, who are they? Yeah, there's quite a few people that I follow um, because like I mentioned earlier, you can always learn from, from others. And um, one is in my, you know, in Isagenics, there's some great leaders in our company, some great mm -hmm. trainers I'm constantly learning from. Um, there's one particular trainer that I really enjoy following is David Wood. He's like the master trainer for our company, but he trains a lot of corporations and so forth. Mm. I learned a lot of leadership stuff from him. He's just, he teaches a lot of personal um, development leadership and then mm. kind of team leadership. Um, my mentor, Dr. Will Moreland, the one that got me going and started my speaking career. I, I, I love his content. And then John, there's just so many other people out there. I couldn't even really name because I follow so many different people. Um, sure. And that's the beauty of social media. You know, you can be... <laughs> yeah following different people, learning from them, kind of, you know, stalking them on social media, but you're, you're, they're mentoring you and they don't even realize it. So, so I've always had the mindset of this, even from my young age is that the more mentors you have, the more opportunities you have to grow. And from a young athlete in high school, college, in the NFL, I always had mentors because I think that anything you want in life, having a mentor is that that shortcut to achieving it, you know, when you can mm -hmm. work with someone or learn from someone who's already walked the road that you're traveling on. So, for sure. um, yeah. And I have a lot of respect for, for mentors and leaders who, who are doing the do, who are leading from the front. Mm -hmm. They're not out there barking orders. They're out there doing <laughs> the do every single day. Oh yeah. You know, and that's why I find, I'm not really sure how to say this <laughs> in a nice way, but I'm going to try. That's why I have a really hard time understanding somebody like Ryan Tannehill right now. Oh. When he comes out and directly says, I'm not here to mentor uh, Malik. I just, I don't understand that. It's like, first of all, I mean, you know this from being in the NFL, you are never guaranteed a spot, ever. You're just not. And so there's no way that he got to the level that he did without someone mentoring him along the way, even at that highest level, that NFL level. Yep. So really, he comes off as a jerk yep. by saying that. And I'm like, it's one thing to feel it. Yeah. It's a totally different thing to make that public. Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine the PR nightmare that the team is going through right now because of that. Yeah. Yeah, and not only that, from a player's perspective, I would think about his leadership. He's yes. supposed to lead. He's supposed to. He is leading the team. I mean, whether we like it or not, a lot of it, the a team revolves around the quarterback and his mm -hmm. leadership. And he's got to think about how his teammates are going to view him. Mm -hmm. You know, and that just like you said, yeah, you might feel it, but don't. Don't vocalize that. Don't put that out there. And when I read that, I'm just like, oh, my goodness, he doesn't get it. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, t t to me, as someone who I am a leader, but I'm also 
learning all the time. That was a big lesson learned for me. Not that I didn't know it before, but it just kind of, it really hit me hard. I'm just like, you know what? My job as a leader, in fact, I mean, I even did an entire podcast specifically on the six types of leaders. Mm -hmm. My job as a leader is to create other great leaders. Mm -hmm. That's my job. Yeah. And if I view that as my job, that means that I have to be investing in other people. I have to be making them better. Why would I waste my time investing in somebody that I didn't think could be better than me at something? Right. I want them to be better than me. That's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. And John, that's why I like network marketing. That's one of the reasons why I like it, because you're in a profession where you're trying to develop leaders who go on to lead others who lead. Yeah. You know, it's about building other leaders and helping them excel and achieve their goals and become these great people. But they're also trying to teach that to others and so on and so on. I love that aspect because like you said, it's not about you. It's about how many people can you help? How many Mm -hmm. people's lives can you change? And if you can develop leaders to go lead others who lead, I mean, what an incredible, you know, thing you have building. So, oh yeah, it's an, that's an amazing biblical principle. It really is. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious about your downline mm-hmm. how you have you must network marketers are like accountants man you guys are into numbers you just <laughs> are by by the nature of the business you have to be right so approximately how big's your downline i think about fifteen thousand. wow and 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 here's what's interesting about why i love isogenics because i'd say um 80% are customers. Really? 80% love our products. Isogenics creates great products, products mm-hmm. that work. And that's a testament to the company. So 80% are customers. They're loyal customers. Uh-huh. And I'd say probably 15% are like, I call them um, kind of casual sharers who, you know, share the product every now and then. And then 5% are, are what we call business builders who are building a business. So, mm-hmm. um, so you have a nice variety within your, your, your organization. So, and, and the thing is, is that you can't succeed unless you help others succeed, unless you help others achieve their goals. I work with a lot of um, people who are trying to lose weight. We're known for our, we're known for our weight loss system. And my job is to coach them. Like you said, okay, coaching, you know, and, and I want them to achieve their goal. I want them to achieve that health and wellness goal. And then I love doing that because the beauty of it, when you see someone achieve a goal and they, they feel happier, they have more energy or whatever, that's, that's very satisfying, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I know it well. In fact, I've got, I've got some friends who are in isogenics. They, they're in San Diego, and they seem to do pretty well. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know Natalie Jill or not, but... Uh, I don't think so. Um, yeah, her husband's name is Brooks. But, mm. uh, yeah, N- Natalie's kind of big in the fitness world like you are right um <clears throat> so yeah her her tagline in instagram is natalie jill fit oh okay nice so, who yeah. knows you 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 may i probably you, decorate, yeah, you I, may I, recognize I, her you guys have probably met not known it but probably yeah yeah because yeah. they they've been in that world for a while too so. yeah yeah and it's you know and it's one thing i tell everyone it's called network marketing <laughs> 
you got to do the work. It's not just let sign up and do nothing and think it grows on its own. No, you've got to work it. You've got to help people. And that's, you know, and that's comes back to that discipline again. That's something I, I love doing. I love helping people and I don't need someone reminding me over and over. You got to do this and you've got to do that. No, it's about how many people can you help? For sure. For sure. So, uh, first of all, where can people find you? Best place, my website, jjburden.com. Um, I'm all over social media, very active. Username JJ Burden. Definitely uh, love connecting with people through the social media platforms. You know, believe it or not, you are the second JJ I know. No. Yes, for real. A female named JJ. Oh, really? I... Yeah, she is. She is a comedian. Oh. Good oh. friend of mine. I don't, I don't think like I've JJ. ever met a female JJ. I know a lot of male JJs. Yeah, JJ Barrows. Mm, cool. Well, she is married now, so it's JJ Barrows Newton, but she goes, when she goes out to do her act, she's still just JJ Barrows. But, right. Uh, super, super nice. Um, let's see. I've got a couple quick questions before we get to our final four. Okay. What, first of all, what is the last, either last book you read or the book that you recommend most to people to read? Mm, that's a good question. The book I read last is John Grisham book. Okay. Solely. John Grisham book. He wrote a book called Solely that I absolutely love. It, about a basketball player who's in some country in Africa and somehow he gets over into the U.S. and it's it's that underdog story. I yeah, yeah. It. That was the last book I read. Um, and as far as recommendation, it really depends on who I'm talking to because if it's in my current business, if it's network marketing business, I recommend the um, the four, uh, what's it called? The four hour, oh shoot, what's that book called? It's one second. All right. The four hour, the four hour, <laughs> the four hour work week. I can't even remember the name of it. One second. Are we live? We are live, aren't we? Yep. Keep going, man. We're good. But you can edit this, right? We can. Okay. One second. One second. I'm going to put this down. Yeah. So this is the one I always recommend for my profession is the four year career. Your and it's a really nice objective view of our industry network market. It's a very good book for someone who's considering being a part of it mm -hmm. and wants to understand a little bit more. Um, okay. And then the other one, um, you know what? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, probably recommend my book. <laughs> good. I like that. Self-wrote. If you don't believe in it, why should other people? I so. know. And I tell them it's a quick read and I say, hey, reach out to me and let me know your favorite part. So, um, okay, yeah, no, I'm like you. I read a lot of different books, and I don't really have one that just like, oh God, just gotta read this book, you know. Um, but right now, I'm on this John Grisham push right now because I'm always reading personal development and business books, and that's kind of yep. my entertainment right now to kind of help me just okay. clear my mind and enjoy what I'm reading. So I've been re I've read like maybe twelve of his books now, and I'm going through them all. Wow. Wow. Very nice. Very nice. All right. What, um, what podcast do you watch or listen to besides this one? Um, well, the one I'm, I'm a big fan of is Michael Klaus. It's lead it's lessons in leadership. 
Uh, Michael Klaus is, is someone who's in isogenics. He's really good. He's been a trainer for years, even before isogenics, but he has a podcast called Lessons in Leadership, and it's all about leadership development in our industry. And I, I love it because I always learn something new when I listen to it. Okay. Very cool. Uh, the leadership one that I listen to now, it's a monthly one that comes out. It's called the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. Hmm. I like it because he happens to be the, the pastor of the largest church in America, which is Life Church, but they have 42 locations in 11 states. Hmm. So they're not big in one location. They're several. And I like what he shares on there because if you listen to it, very rarely do you hear anything that would let you know that he is a pastor because right. he's talking leadership and he's talking about team building, that sort of thing. And it's kind of hard not to respect a guy who has about 800 employees, but has multiple tens of thousands of volunteers that he leads. Right. You know, and has been doing it since 1996. Wow. Yeah. That's Life Church started in 96. So, mm. um, and he is, I think, somewhere between your age and my age. Mm. Okay. So he knows what he's doing. And by the way, he's ripped, by the way. Oh my is God. He? <laughs> he's ripped. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. He's, oh, he's so bulked up. Um, he's about your height, too, actually. Mm. Cool. Yeah, that's just kind of an aside. But, uh, all right. Well, let's, let's jump into our final four. Okay, okay, there are four quick questions. You just tell me the first thing that pops in your head. Okay. All right, question number one. Why did God create JJ? Um, to live a purposeful life. All right, I dig it. What are you doing, reading, or listening to right now that's helping you grow? Uh, right now I'm listening to um, a series of podcasts. Oh, actually, you know what? I actually just attended a leadership event hosted by David Woods, the master trainer. I just attended that and took three days worth of notes. Wow. I went over, I went over the notes. I cleaned them up. I organized them. And then I color coded, color coded them black for me, red for my team, um, blue for content for keynote presentation. So I'm slowly now right. going through that information and just trying to pull nuggets out from week to week like that like that this is a two-parter what do you do for fun and what do you do for fun with your wife slash family what do i do for fun 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 to me is working out going to the gym and working out okay. me that's i love that yeah that's my Good. release you know it's mm -hmm. it's my therapy you know uh and then fun with my wife is just anytime we can spend time together alone mm. You know, because it's been 32 years. Right. I do. I get it, man. So like you said, we have date night, date day, whatever. Just spending that quality time with her right now is just for sure so important for both of us. Uh, and this is not part of the final four. I'm just curious. Um, have you guys done the uh, the five love languages? Yes. So do you know what hers are? Yes. Okay, so as long as you know her primary and her secondary, and you're giving her love the way she needs it, unless you guys happen to have the same one. No. Which most couples are not the same. We don't. And I tell you, you know, her number one is service. Really? Oh, yeah. It's Interesting. No, 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 no. It's not service. It's, it's, um, 
It's acts of kindness. I think that's what it is. I think that's okay. Yeah, because that's the one where you do stuff. You do stuff for her. Yeah, you know, acts of service. Uh -huh. Acts of service. Okay, it is. So it's acts yeah. of service. That's one. And okay. Like, and so she likes it when you do things for her. Yeah. Okay. Clean the dishes. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, my God. Okay. Make the appointment for the dinner. I mean, she and you and you realize like, man, this stuff really works. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. I have a I have a talk that I give. Um, it's it was first designed for men, but I've actually used it in mixed company. The very first thing that I this is how I open it. Oh, it's so much fun. I was like, how many of you if I told you right now, if you did this one thing, you did this one thing tonight you get the best sex you ever had in your life <laughs> first of all you'd be shocked how many guys don't raise their hands right and then this is what i tell them it's like this is what you do when you get home tonight greet everybody like you normally do do your normal thing everybody sit down together to dinner when dinner is done with no fanfare you don't talk to anybody about it you get up from the table you walk into the kitchen and you do the dishes i said some of you We'll get it tonight because you did that. I said, now, now there is a caveat here. I said, now some of you are married to women who are going to go, hmm, isn't this interesting? Let's see how long this lasts. <laughs> yeah. And that may take about 30 days. Yeah. To get that to go through. But yeah, yeah that's, that's part of a, a message that I share. That's true. About, that's true. Uh, about building that intimacy mm. in, in a relationship. Yeah. So, okay. Um, the working out. Oh, I wanted to ask you about your workouts because I know that you consider that to be fun. Something that happens to me when I work out. In fact, if you, if you ever see any of the, um, the videos on Instagram that I do where I always have workout equipment behind me, mm -hmm. it, this happens every time, JJ, sometime during the workout, it's like all of a sudden my mind becomes a, a blank slate. Whatever was there before is gone, and I become open to whatever it is that needs to be there. And that's, that's when those things hit me. They, that's why I do them then. I do those recordings because my mind is open, mm -hmm. and I can, I can receive something new in order to be able to share it. Right. So does that happen to you when you're working yeah. out? Just like everything just kind of gets cleared out of the way? Absolutely. I, I think I create some of my best creative content when I'm working out. And, and it's like, you know, you're at the gym, you're running, you're doing something I'm on the Peloton and I have to stop, take my phone out, get the recorder. Cause I was like, oh, this is good. I, 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 you know, I don't know how many times I've done that, but yeah, I don't know that. And you kind of explain a little bit, but I don't really know the science behind that, but I seem to do some really good thinking when I am working out clear thinking and putting information together, you know, you know, that's interesting. I have a. It's amazing the journey you can be on and the people you meet. This journey of hosting a podcast, I have met some actual neuroscientists. Oh, really? Yeah, I've had, I've had one on the show. I'm going to be having another one on here in the near future. And so I'm going to ask them about that very thing. Yeah. I'm going to ask them that question. It's yeah. like, is there something behind that? What's going on that enables that to happen? And I'm sure they'll be able to tell me in a very technical way what's going on. And then I'll have to interpret that yeah. for everybody else. <laughs> you don't have to share that. Tell oh, I will. That. Absolutely. Cause wanna, yeah. Cause there's, there's gotta be some kind of science behind that. Yeah. For sure. For sure. And let's wrap up with this. 
What are you most grateful for? I am, well, I would probably say my family and, and I'll tell you why, cause you know, I was raised a single parent mm. household, mm-hmm. uh, three, you know, brother, older brother, younger sister, all of us had different dads, you know, and mm. all my relatives, everybody had different dads, broken families and all that other stuff. Gotcha. And at a young age, I made up, made a decision that I was not, I just, I wanted to do my best to ha- keep my family together. And whatever, you know, and when I dated my wife for three years, just before we made that decision and yeah, marriage has its ups and downs. And sometimes you just, you know, you want to quit or whatever, but no, we we've hung in there. We work together and we've got a great marriage and I'm more, I'm really proud of that because, you know, the statistics are, you know, it's tough being married and staying married. It's, it's, it's tough. But when two people are working together. Mm. and are willing to to kind of battle through it and fight for it, you can have something pretty special. And that's what I would say with my wife and I, and that's what I'm most proud of. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, I don't bring this statistic out that often, but I do occasionally because you happen to hint at it. I'll share it here. Do you happen to know, as most people do, what the national average is for divorce in America? Yeah, I think think it's like... um, I know one second. I know professional athletes is it's seventy six, but I really, yeah, interesting. I didn't know career, that. After their career, it's seventy six percent. Okay, wow. But I think the national average. I've seen something like fifty five. I want to say, it's it's like in the fifty to fifty five range. Yeah. Okay. Well, based upon what you shared for professional athletes after they finish their playing careers. That's going to make what I say not quite as impressive, but and not that it's impressive because it's a depressing statistic, but do you happen to know what the national average is for entrepreneurs? Mm, for entrepreneurs failing? No, in just oh, across mar- the board for, oh. for marriage, oh, for their okay. marriages. Yeah, Man, the divorce I'm- rate for entrepreneurs. Well, I would probably say it's got to be close to the professional athletes. So I'm going to say 68%. It's 65. Mm. Yeah. So I have, I have a friend who has a PhD in statistics, which first of all, I didn't even know you could get one in that, but I guess you can get a PhD in just about anything he does. And so I asked him, it's like, okay, if we consider the national average, cause at the time when we talked about it, it was about 50%. I said, right. so if the national average is 50, but for entrepreneurs is 65, I said, that's an increase of 15%. He goes, John, do you even understand what that means? I'm like, well, I know it's more. He goes, no, you don't understand. In my world of statistics, that big of a jump, they call that statistically significant. And when he says statistically significant, what he means is that's something they really pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Like, what is causing this humongous jump? Right. Because I guess a 15% increase in anything is, is mind-boggling in that world. Right. So the fact that you guys are still married at 32 years and the fact that you're a former professional athlete and you're an entrepreneur, I mean, that's, I mean, there's a whole lot in there. That's like, you're an anomaly in a very good way. And that's why when you ask, that's why I'm so proud of that. Cause I, I just should be, I know a lot of my friends and former team members and I can count how many are still married, you know, but it, it was. But my wife, you know, it's just so nice to be with a partner who 
we made the commitment through the good, through the bad, we're going to battle through it. And, and, you know, we had our, we've had our tough years like everybody else, but sure. we just worked our way through it and we pushed through it. And that's, and that's, and that little boy raised in Northeast Portland that made that decision. I said, I'm getting married one time and I better get it right. That's all right. <laughs> I get that. I get that. Well, JJ, I'm going to wrap up our time together, but I want to thank you so much for investing some of your time with me and with the audience today, because it, it really means a lot. Your story is amazing. And most of it has nothing to do with the fact that you were a professional athlete. Really. Your, your story to me is so much more impactful and meaningful about what happened before you were a professional athlete and after you mm -hmm. were. That just provided you a platform. Right. I mean, truthfully, that's really what it did. Not that it wasn't hard work to get there. I right. know it was. Right. But it, that hard work has prepared you for so many other things that came along after. So yeah. thank you very, very much. Yeah, and thank you too. Thank you for inviting me to be on the podcast and have this discussion. And thank you for sharing, because I learned a little bit about you I didn't know about, but I'm going to be following you a little closely because I didn't know you were a speaker too and coach. And, you know, like I said, I'm always looking to learn from others. So I'm looking forward to following your content. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And for those of you who tuned in, again, thank you so much for being here. Again, for those of you who are either watching and or listening to this, I know it's an investment of your time, and I don't take that lightly. So thank you so much for being here, and we will talk to you all next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlett. Thanks again for listening, and remember, passion gets you started, purpose keeps you going. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time. Bye.